Hey everyone, welcome to the Tension Podcast, where we acknowledge that most of life and faith is lived in the tension between the two extremes. On this show, we're going to take a look at what many of us were taught growing up in evangelical churches. We're going to weigh it against what our current culture is saying, and then we're going to try to find what Jesus has for us in the tension between the two. We haven't met. My name is Jonathan Caron, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hey, what's up? I think this week is, um, I don't know, you probably say this about most every week, but this week is one of those that is a major tension. And it's it's probably always existed since the start of church and people going to to the you know the the capital c church but this has been one that i think has been in existence the entire time that i've been a ministry leader volunteer and even even now and kind of the the post you know post ministry as career side as well so i'm excited to get into this i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit and i'm making an assumption here so let's see if my assumption is right I think when we planned this season, you thought this episode was important, but after last <laughs> week's episode, it actually okay. made you excited about this episode. Yeah, I got a lot more context. And I would say, especially when we talk about this particular topic, you know, um, which by the way, tension. if you didn't read the title, we're talking about the tension between having a personal faith in Jesus and being a part of a local church. So that's the topic. Yeah. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think like you go back and listen to last week's episode because it's going to give some, you know, more context and nuance to the discussion here as opposed to just on the surface, like, should we attend church every week? Uh, or can I, you know, have my own personal faith or blah, blah, blah. Like it provides a little bit more background to what we're talking about, which I think also is a little bit of a microcosm of the conversation we're going to have today of, you know, if you just want to break down the thesis overall is like, should I, should I have a personal relationship? Am I okay of having a personal relation relationship with Jesus without ever, you know, going to church regularly, or do I need to be a part of the community? It's like, well, if you want to listen to this podcast, should I listen to every single episode or is it okay to just kind of like pick and choose one at a time? It's like, uh, I, I think, I think those conversations, um, are similar, obviously not on the same like importance level. Cause the podcast is way more important than your local church, but just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, I think well, I think really. a very very similar analogy. So to give you the housekeeping of today, just to set it up so that you know exactly what's going on, as our generation has started to question and take a look at a lot of the core parts of our faith, the whole deconstruction aspect of it. Deconstruction. Ooh. One of the things that comes up a lot is the question, do I even need to go to church? You hear that from a lot of people, especially post-COVID, when we got out of the habit of going to church every week. Another piece of this is that there's some data that's showing us, I don't remember where it's from, I apologize for that, that shows us that 40% of people who went to church before COVID either don't go to church anymore or they're attending a different church than they did before the pandemic. So this idea of a personal faith or being a part of a church is one that 40% of Christians at some level have made a decision to act on. And I guess even more probably, if I'm guessing, have asked that question themselves. Yeah. And I think the other thing is like, you can, this isn't like a, a obviously it's a little bit, it, we, we put the focus on it more in this post COVID world um, based on lockdowns and everything else like that. But 
let me just throw some things out to you as a listener to see if like you recognize this. So if you've ever had somebody tell you like, I'm more spiritual than religious, right? Or it, when you, you know, they, you ask about, um, about their faith or where do they go to church? And they say something like, well, I'm a Jesus follower, but I don't really go to church. Like there's some other little nuanced pieces in the discussion where you can kind of hear, especially in the South. These, yeah. You know, you, you hear the language, uh, of it or like, um, it, it it's big in, in like Catholics. Well, I'm a Catholic, but I don't attend mass, you know? So there's some of these pieces that have existed for a while. And anytime I hear somebody that's like, well, I'm, I'm more spiritual than religious, but they ascribe to Judeo Christian values or Christian values or, you know, the teaching of Jesus, anything like that. What they're saying is I'm not participating in corporate worship, right? I'm mm -hmm. not participating in the corporate uh, structure of religion, but I have a personal faith. So this isn't just like, you know, and I know most, most of our listeners are smart enough to understand this isn't just like a post COVID thing. And I, but, but I hear a lot of church leaders that are like, well, it's because of COVID and our society is starting to, you know, crumble and all that, you know, they're, they're doing all this chicken little doom and gloom. The sky is falling thing when it's like, Hey dummies, this was around in the eighties when I, when, you know, this was around in the nineties was around beforehand. Because that's you, you get this this thing that's existed ever since organized religion, where it's like I can have a very personal faith. I don't need to be a part of the organized religion. There's that tension that has existed all the time. So let's not let's not make it bigger than it is and pretend like it's something brand new based on you know masks and lockdowns and Fauci and all that. I thought you not were going to go further into. I thought you were going to. I was going to go. <laughs> not not Fauci's fault. That's because of the jab. Anyway, so a typical episode this season, we've we've spent some time on both ends of the tension, and then we've gone into the middle of it. Today, we're just going to build on what it's going to be a little less structured than than it has been this season, more of a free flowing conversation, and we're going to build on the ideas we talked about last week about how Christianity is a collectivist religion, and. The idea is that we we have to look at the tension between being a part of a church and going at it alone. And then I think where we're going to end today is what I think is an important way to close this is if you are looking for a church, because, I mean, spoiler alert, we do think you need to be a part of a church. What are you looking for? Like, what should you look for in that? So, Eric. I think the first place we have to start is by kind of recapping a little bit of last week where mm -hmm. we talked about how the New Testament audience would have viewed many of the verses that have the word you in them as the plural version of you, while mm -hmm. Americans and Westerners, we read that as the singular. And the one of the examples yep. we gave last week was Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We read that as Eric, I am sure of this. He who created a good work in Eric will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Whereas mm -hmm. the people of biblical times would have read it. He who started a good work in y'all will, will carry it on to completion. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, let's, let's expand that out a little bit. It's where we read the Bible the way we want to read it. And so it's like, in some cases, yes, it's, uh, I'm sure of this, that he started a good work in me personally, me, Eric will con continue it on to completion, very individualistic. Uh, and the other hand, it's true. It's something online. It's a true statement right, as well. Sure. 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 The other statement is like, 
if it's something where it's prescriptive to somebody else, I'm going to go like you, it doesn't apply to me. It applies to you. Right. It, when in reality, what we, we can't cherry pick out these things and pretend like Paul is writing this directly to me or pretend like Paul is writing it to me. Um, meaning like, Hey, this is how you should think of others. It's this collective y'all. And I mean, we even expanded it out to like, it could be your neighborhood or it could be your community or your community of faith. So it could be he who started a good work in first Baptist church of insert your city name will continue it on to completion. So, because he's writing to this collective group of people sitting there in a, what we would consider a, a congregation. One of the things I think we have to acknowledge on the front end of this is that many people who begin questioning the idea of church, they do it because they were hurt by something the people in their church did or mm. the a decision the leaders of their church did. That's where it starts. Because most of the time when you become a follower of Jesus, you want to be a part of the group. You want to be a part of the collective. But then something happens and it yeah. makes you feel like, okay, I'm good with Jesus, but I'm not good with these people. Last yeah. week after we were recording, Eric, you said something that I thought was really profound about why you think some of that church hurt happens. Can you share that? Uh, yeah, you're putting me on the spot because usually after an idea leaves my mouth, like it just, <laughs> it's gone out of my brain forever. That's but I, I think it, it was something along the line. Yeah, something along the lines of, <laughs> You know, you join the church because you you think you're joining a collective, very similar to like as a job when the job goes like, oh, we're a family around here, right? You know, you think you're a part of something that where people care about you. And then something happens that's on the level that's not equal to abuse or illegal or anything else like that, but something inconvenient or something that hurts. And you're looking to that same group of people and going like, oh, you, you care about me. You're for me. I'm part of this in group. But then you get crickets, right? Or people start circling the wagons and you feel left out and you feel, um, you know, like they've drawn a line, they've made their choices and they chose the ministry leader or they chose the other people in the group or they chose, you know, they chose to do the contemporary worship instead of your traditional worship. Or you gave the idea that, you know, we should be doing rip and dip instead of the shots of communion and they chose against it. Right. So like somehow they put you on the outside of their group. I know I was kind of being a little bit surface level and funny on that, but. Rip and dip is something I've never heard before, but that's incredible. Yeah, we had the snack packs and the rip and dip, and that's just how we would talk about how do you do communion? (laughs) You do rip and dip or you do snack packs, right? And that's the shot glasses. That's what we would do. Anyway, um, you know, the wafer that would get like stuck in the roof of your mouth, that sort of thing. You know, we'd compare communion wafers. I'm like, which which one had the best? Oh, I think this one is, you know, anyway. The bottom line is you 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 assume that these people are people that care about you and that you're a part of the group and then something happens where it opens up the idea in your brain that maybe I'm not part of the group in the way that I thought I was or you use it to justify thoughts you already had to go yeah see they don't really care about me anyway because they won't let me uh you know they won't let me preach the Easter Sunday message that God has put on my heart you know, it's like, come on, man. But I think if I'm being honest, that that's where a lot of this, this church hurt comes from for me is looking in and going, Oh, you said you cared about me as a person, but this action that you've taken has put me outside of this group or this, this definition of care that I would assume. And you kind of had a vote of no confidence for me. And that sucks. I thought we agreed on this political thing or on this 
how we treat people thing or on this, what we think Jesus thinks about this thing. But the way that you're talking about it makes it obvious to me that you don't, you know, those are the types of, those are the types of things that I think we're talking about here, where you think you're part of the collective, something happens, you realize, ah, I'm, I'm not as far in as I thought I was. Well, even if we go to the other side of the coin and we try to play both sides here, which I know can get us in a little bit of trouble, but I look at my story of how I got quote unquote coached off staff and that felt very mm. personal and individualistic to me, yeah. but the leadership of my church was doing what they thought was best for the entire group and yeah. for the whole of the church. Like from a budget perspective, we had too much staff yeah. and to pay me what they were paying me, which wasn't much, but to do what I, what I was doing, they didn't see that as something that the church should be investing so much money on. So to protect the collective whole, I was the casualty of that. So yeah. you can kind of see there's this tension between like the church trying to take care of the collective whole. Let me, let me just be completely candid. Sometimes church leaders are jerks. Sometimes they make mm -hmm. bad decisions. Sometimes they do it in ways that are terrible. The way it was done with me wasn't ideal. So I'm not trying yep. to put like turn crap into roses or something like that. I'm just looking at it from an outside perspective. Like yeah. sometimes they do it wrong. But sometimes we're so emotionally invested in our own stuff that we feel it's an attack on us when the other side is doing what's best for the whole. And that is a tension we're always going to live in. And it sucks. And it's hard. I think sometimes, you know, you can just come down to this is like uh, when when we when we don't look at the needs of the individual to protect the needs of the whole, sometimes it just makes you an a-hole like mm -hmm. it just it, you come across that way because you're doing that i mean a similar thing happened to me where like i got into ministry as a uh as a profession or career because of one particular individual and we were great friends and i thought we were tight and everything else like that and then when i was going through a similar situation that you were going through it was like he cut off all conversation with me and i didn't find out till later it was like oh our you know our lawyers said that i probably shouldn't talk to you while we're going through you know this employment thing with you and it's like wait what we we're friends why would you do that you know what i mean like and so that's a very obvious side of i thought we were friends and so if you ever put that i thought we were friends i thought you were a christian right i thought there's all this i thought we were blank or i thought you were blank meaning i thought there was a collective understanding a collective experience you know a collective connection here and your action or this action has made it obvious that that collective experience um, didn't, you know, what wasn't what, what I thought or I expected. So at the root of everything, we have to acknowledge that a lot of this wrestling and this tension between a personal faith and being a part of a church, it's rooted in large part between that tension of individualism and collectivism that we talked a lot about last week. The symptoms of that tension are what hurt us, mm -hmm. but the root of the actual issue comes in how we view the purpose of the church and our role in that. And one of the things I have read that I really resonated with is the idea of a personal faith, faith versus an individual faith. And I'll, here's how I'll explain that. If the root of our issue with the local church gathering is the tension between collectivism and individualism, 
we have to look at how we view the faith of a singular person. Yeah. A lot of us, I mean, if you've grown up in church, you've heard the idea of, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus mm. Christ and make mm. him your personal, your personal Lord, Lord and, and Savior? Savior? So that that's so natural for us to hear because in evangelical mm. cultures, there's a high priority put in the personal decision to follow Jesus. This is your faith. You have to make your faith your own. You can't rely on your parents' faith. We mm -hmm. emphasize the individual in our evangelism over and over. And what this has led to is that the it makes us feel like all that matters is your personal faith in Jesus. If yep. you have made that personal decision, you're set. You don't have to worry about anything. It's my and get out of hell free card. It's well, it's, it's what I was about to say next. From a from an eternal salvation perspective, yeah, your personal faith is all that matters. But in terms of daily living and becoming an actual follower of Jesus who whose life is impacted on an everyday basis by following Jesus. It's not just a personal decision. Yep. Yeah. And I think the, the thing is that we use that personal decision side on both sides to justify, right? You know, it's like our personal faith. And so it's like, I'm good at the same time, you know, in a lot of ways we justify not being part of the collective because, well, at the end of the day, you know, they, they have to make their own decision. I, I used to hear people talk about like, uh, you know, you need to, uh, you need to preach, uh, preach like an Arminian and sleep like a Calvinist, meaning like, all right, I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure that I know that everybody else, it's their choice and everything like that. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to sleep and go like, no, nope, you know, God's going to figure out the rest and I don't need to worry about it. So there's that sense of like, I'm going to justify this individualistic side of my faith to just make me feel better whenever I need to. That individualistic side of my faith says, I'm good. I don't need a church. Or it says like, you know, I, this is good for me on the other side. You can justify it away and go like, well, I mean, like at the end of the day, I got to kind of like shake my hands and, you know, as long as they, as long as they like, as long as they have a relationship with Jesus or that's on them. And it's, it's tough because it, it's, it even like emphasizes even more that you're pulling away from the collectivist idea. Well, we've put so much emphasis in the American church on your eternal salvation. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Are you going to hell? Yep. Or are you going to heaven? When yep. I don't think the early church was thinking about that nearly as much as we do. They were right. thinking about their daily living and following Jesus on an everyday standpoint because they thought he was coming back at any, at any moment. Uh, yeah. I mean, Paul's writings in general, other, I mean, especially his early to mid writings is like, until he was, until he got to jail, he knew like, Oh, Jesus is coming back. Like, don't have a wife. Don't have kids. You don't have time for any of that. Cause Jesus is coming back. Like, Get prepared for the second coming of Christ, not, not for anything else, but like, be prepared. Like you don't even have time to worry about some of these things that you're worried about because Jesus is coming back. It wasn't a sense of like, you don't have time to worry about the things that you're worrying about because one day you're going to go to heaven and you're going to avoid hell. No, it was, th th this is what you need to do right now because Jesus is coming back. And so they focused on the daily living and how to treat others and that's where it gets to the idea that I believe our faith is meant to be personal, but it was never meant to be individualistic. Mm. And that on its own creates a tension, right? 
Like I need to do Say that again. Say that again. You might need to write that down. Our faith is meant to be personal, but it's not meant to be individualistic. Here's what that Mm. means. I need to do what's best for my personal faith, but I'm also meant to be a part of a collective group of others who have their own personal faith as well. Mm. And the example I would give here, we use marriage on this show a lot, but I think marriage is a great example here because I have my personal wants, my personal needs, desires, hopes, dreams, ideas, all those things. My wife also has her wants, needs, desires, hopes, dreams, ideas, all those things. But when we got married, we agreed to come together to form a collective marriage. And then we complicated it even more by bringing kids into the mix. So while I have to advocate for the things I want and I need, I also have to set aside some of those things at times in order to help my wife get the things she wants and needs as well. So there's a tension between my individualism in marriage and the collective family we have created by choice together. Because in a marriage, if you, that. Yeah. there's a danger to that too. When you, when you think about it, when you go put that on the church standpoint, cause I, I've been a part of and seen where it's like the lead pastor of the church has an individualistic approach uh, to the collective church. I know what I need. I know what this congregation needs and I need to, and then they put that on everyone else who's attending instead of adjusting. And I think, I mean, being on the inside of, of church communications during COVID and the lockdowns, that was very evident where there was this tension between this is what I personally believe is happening and going on. And that's what we need to tell all of our congregation. We, and it's like, whoa, dude, that's where you start getting politics into the mix. That's where you start getting you know, cult style things into the mix because your individualistic faith has now determined what's best for the collective. It's good for me. So it's good for everybody else. It's also where you get marginalized communities becoming marginalized because they're not represented in that individualistic opinion, thought, whatever of the one uh, or small group of most often men that are leading churches. And if you go back to the marriage analogy, I mean, think about it, Eric, if you're not willing to sacrifice some of your individualistic desires for your wife or your kids, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a strain in that relationship. Oh yeah. But at the same time, if your wife isn't willing to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. If, but if your wife's not willing to, to budge on any of her desires to let you express who you are, go after what you care about, or do the things that fulfill you, there's going to be resentment and a strain on your end as well. So it's this idea of mutual sacrifice for each other, recognizing that you are a part of a group together that is going mm-hmm. after something. You are individuals who are doing it together, which makes it messy. Yep. Yeah. That is, that's the, the, like the beautiful, chaos, I guess you could say, or contradiction or paradox of any sort of marriage is you, you have to be two complete individuals that choose to have a collective experience together. That's like, so that means you choose to intentionally restrict, not necessarily restrict, but intentionally sacrifice some of your individualistic 
tendencies in order to make that collective experience better. And not to get too cheesy and on the nose, but it's one of the reasons I believe the Bible uses marriage as an example in the church so often, because it is that self-sacrificing. You, you, both sides have to sacrifice something they want in order to get to where Jesus is in the relationship. So what does all this mean about going to church? Well, we did an episode back in was it season four where we asked the question, do you have to be a part of a local church? Our general answer to that question was that being in Christian community is vitally important to your walk with Jesus. That can look different for different people. It doesn't have to be attending the 501c3 organization's weekly service every single week, but it needs to be a regularly scheduled time with other believers where you worship together, pray together, and study scripture together. That's the general idea. If that is our thesis, and if we have to change our perspective of church in light of this collectivist idea, Eric, what are the things we need to be looking for in a local church? You've changed churches more recently than I have. So when you go into that idea, what, what should people be looking for? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's some, some basic, you know, given, given these things that you understand is like theologically, do they line up? Right. Does it, does it line up with, with where you believe theologically is theologically sound, right? Historical church Christianity. Um, so, you know, for some of you, you might have different red flags than others. You know, some of it's prosperity gospel, some of it's like uh, Christian nationalism, some of it's like you know other people, other things like like that. So doctrinally, if you can't align with it, that's that's part of it. Okay, um, and then you know, I I think we could go through some of the other basics, which I'll you know let you go through that too. But like for me, it's the idea of can you be a part of the church. That would be like the number number one that that supersedes all of it. Because I think, like you said, do we have to attend 501c3 organizations weekly service every week? I would liken that to, you know, what anything else where there's a regular attendance component to it in college. Did I need to go to every class every single time in order to be successful in that class? No. Did it increase my ability to you know, or my chances of being successful in that class, learning, passing, whatever. Yes. Um, I, I coach, I coach fitness for people as well. You know, fitness classes is like, so I know, do you need to, uh, exercise 30 minutes a day, every single day? Do you need to show up to the gym, the, you know, the LLC S corp C corp capital G gym every single day, every single week in order to hit your fitness goals? No. Does it help you have a better chance of reaching your fitness goals. Yes. But I will say also, I've been a part of gyms where I see the same people walk in and actually, you know, me and a couple of people, we, you know, they get on the elliptical machine. No hate on those of you who love the elliptical machine, but we used to call them the cheater machines because people get on the elliptical machine and do their 30 minutes of just going through the motions on the elliptical machine and never actually spend their time in the fitness center, in doing the exercises that really mattered. They didn't engage in the way that they needed to engage to reach their goals. And so there is this tension back and forth between, do I need to show up every week? No. Does it definitely help me be able to be more successful in being a part of the community? Yes. Does showing up every week, does being a part of that you know, situation, does that guarantee 
that I'm going to grow spiritually, that I'm going to be a part of the community, that I'm going to feel, you know, no, of course it doesn't. In, in the same way as like showing up to the gym, showing up to your purple gym and eating the pizza on the free pizza day and eating the, you know, the, the bagel on the free bagel day doesn't mean that you're magically somehow going to achieve your goals. So I know it took a little tangent there, but I think that's the important piece for me to, to that I've really in the changing churches exploration that I've gotten to is like, it's not about the attendance as much as it is like, if you let's stick with the gym analogy, if going to the corporatized gym is what works for you, because it's going to help you be more focused when you're there to do the thing you need to do to hit your fitness goals. Great. If going to the CrossFit gym or the Zumba class or the Peloton at home, whatever those things are that are ultimately going to help you fit, meet your fitness goals. I would say that's the place for you and the rhythm for you, similar to the church where it's like going to whichever church, whatever your rhythm is, like if that's going to help you doing seven life groups a week, doing, you know, one community core group a week, whatever, whatever is going to help you feel like you are going to be more connected to God and to God's people and to your community. That, that to me is the overarching need. You could dig down and go, yes, of course, theologically, they need to line up teaching style probably needs to line up music style probably needs to line up, you know, other things like that, having coffee in the, in the lobby that you like to drink. If that's, what's going to help keep you there. Great. Having a parking spot. Fine. I don't care. Like what are those things that are going to encourage you to actually take the action you need to deepen that relationship and to be a part of the community you can be part of. And that's on its core. What I think anyone talking about finding a new church would say, ideally, if they're, if they have a healthy perspective of church, but if we want to live in this tension of personal faith, collectivist religion, that adds an extra layer to what we look for in a church and where we go to find someone. Because if we're going to be a part of the whole, that collective whole, we need to look for a church where we can help make the collective whole better. And that doesn't mean that we go in with the savior complex and think that we deserve to be a part of something because we have a certain skill set or a desire or anything like that. But is there something unique about you? Is there one of those individualist pieces of what makes you, you that you possess that can help make the collective whole better? There are some churches where what makes you what the way God designed you, there's no way to use that within the church. And you have to ask the question, do you have to use all your skill set inside the church? No, you don't. But if you can, awesome. It is okay to say, hey, you know what? This church is a good church, but they do not need me. This church over here has a need that I am created to possibly fill. And I want to be a part of that. I'm willing to lay down some of my preferences to be a part of that group because I believe we can follow Jesus together and I can help them get to where God's calling them to be. Well, and that's extremely like it, that takes a lot of emotional maturity to be able to say that, to be able to like not vilify something that's not for you. 
You can acknowledge that something is good while not being for you. If you can do that, then, then that that's where you need to be with that church. It's okay to go like, what we do too often is we go like, that church isn't for me, therefore it's wrong. And I think that is an incredibly toxic thing that we bring into from an individual perspective. Similar to what we've talked about before on previous ex- episodes, talking about that, like that pathway from deconstruction, deconversion, where it's like, I have to be right about everything. And uh, if the church experience was bad for me, now all of a sudden I'm an atheist because I have to be right about not going to church. And, and if you go to that you, church and have a good experience, there's something wrong with you because yep. my experience was negative. Yep, exactly. So I think that that's, that's something to keep in mind is, you know, where can you plug into a church is a preference for you. And that doesn't mean if you can't plug into another church or you're not valued somewhere else, like that, it's okay. It's okay for that to exist. Don't feel like you have to fill that cognitive dissonance and that gap. Just say like, that's okay for them to exist and for them to do that. So Eric, what are some examples that you have seen in your ministry experience of like, let's get some tangible examples of what this means to find a church where you can help make the collective whole better. Yeah. So, I mean, like, obviously when I was leading in ministry, um, volunteering, first of all, my first experience of getting involved in a local church was because my girlfriend at the time, my wife now called me up and said, our church is starting a Christian rock band and I'm a drummer. And she said, can you bring your drum set over and they need a drummer and play? I wasn't going to church, but because they had a need and I was a drummer and I had a drum set and I was free because I was in high school or early college, I guess I was free on the nights that they practiced and they, you know, didn't want to make me get up at super early on a Sunday morning. Oh, great. That was like the first option of like, yes, I can, I can do that. So, you know, that was my very first experience, but I've seen in other cases where, you know, we would have specifically around musicians, you know, when I was, when I was, uh, uh, working for mega churches, you have musicians that just weren't quite to the level or didn't have the musicianship needed, or they, they played an instrument that we didn't, you know, typically carry and wasn't like the, the church wasn't a, yeah, yeah, whatever it was. And it was like, you know, or someone that was, that was a singer, but we didn't have any space for them. They would leave and they would go to another church. And at the time, or they were a choral remember, singer, singer, not a yes, radio. Singer. Yeah. Very operatic voice or anything else like that. Or, you know, some other things it's like, or they wanted to play a specific style and they would leave and they go to another church. And at the time I remember thinking like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that they would leave this church and how, how you know, selfish because I, I, yeah. How selfish are they? Cause I, but cause quite frankly, I had this selfish mindset of like, our church is the best church. Why? Because I'm attending the church and I wouldn't attend. I, I mean, I wouldn't attend a church. That's not the best church. Right. So anybody attending a different church kind of calls into question why I'm attending this church. Cause that means there might be other churches out there that could be good or better or whatever. When in reality, looking back on it now, it's like that singer who had the really operatic voice, probably blessed the hell out out of the church. I mean, literally blessed the hell out of the church (laughs) that she went to because they didn't have a singer, you know, or they, you know, or we would have like student ministry volunteers that were really key volunteers, but they had a want or a desire, a need to teach or to do something else that we just didn't do in our, in our format. And they wanted to play, you know, games that we didn't play or do, you know, do whatever. And it's like, they would leave and they would actually be the leaders, like the, the staff, they'd be on staff at other churches. There were smaller churches and it was like, oh, they, 
they're building a thriving, you know, student ministry over there. And it's like, that's awesome. Now looking back going, that's great. At the time it was like, oh man, why wouldn't they want to, you know, bring their skills here? Well, so, cause we didn't have room for their skills. That that's it. Our, and that's fine. That's okay. So, you know, those are some examples. So musicians, communicators, anybody who want to like lead a certain type of ministry. I think the other aspect too, is like at one of the mega churches I worked for, I'll call these two people out by name. Cause they were awesome. We had a guy named Ed McCauley. He was a high level executive in the Kroger organization, which now God, Kroger owns Kroger. like basically every grocery store, not any of the ones around me, except for the deep South over there. Um, But he took a job with the church as the operations or like the executive pastor, whatever we called it. And it was like some of the things that he brought from an operations perspective, we desperately needed in the church because it was like, he, he knew about operating divisions of, uh, of a major corporation where you had to keep, things the same. So that way, when you went from one Kroger to another, they look the same, but at the same time, you had to deal with the individualistic needs of each community. It's like, well, guess what? We were a multi-site megachurch and we sure as heck needed that. And he brought a lot of those skills to help bring us into a more professional and basically higher value approach to serving our guests. The other one, Tom Martin, this guy owned a creative or a, a marketing agency. And at the time, as the church is like, the marketing was, you know, not which in most churches like this, either non-existent or whatever the lead pastor wanted to do or whatever the creative director thought was cool or something like that. And he was able to step in, help take over some of the marketing to really push it forward and understand how we could reach people with the message of Jesus and how we could let people know what was happening in the church. And it's like those two had very individualistic skills that nobody else in the congregation had that they could bring in a staff perspective. That was amazing. The final example I'll bring is, uh, you know, this is from church of the Highlands, but other churches do this. If you have the dream team model, is there something called a legacy team? And this is a group of people that have, uh, it's kind of funny the way we say it. They have the spiritual gift of giving, right. Or generosity. And it's like, what the heck does that mean? They make a lot of money, but that's not it. It's like, they find ways to resource and fund the things that God wants to do in the community. And so these are groups of people that's like, I remember when we launched a legacy team at one of those churches, we would literally tell people, Hey, honestly, we don't want you serving 10 hours a week. We don't want you serving three hours on the weekend. We want you serving in your job. We want you serving in that way. We want you building businesses and we want you serving the community through the ca- I mean, honestly, through the capitalistic structure uh, that we have here, because we know that you're going to be a blessing to our community. We know that you're going to be able to help us figure out how to raise funds to fund mission, uh, mission initiatives locally and across the globe. And when we need to tap into your expertise on how to help uh, the church planning organization in Central America, or, you know, how to help the inner city funding that we need, like, that's what we need you for. And I mean, that idea was revolutionary to me to think, oh, wait, you mean you don't want to take the corporate CEO and say, hey, if you want to be a part of this group, you've got to go hold babies for an hour on the weekend. (laughs) It's like, no, let him do or her do what they've been called to do and let the people who've been called to do the other thing, like, that's what we need to do. What is that individualistic thing that you have? And how can we make space for that um, and find those ways to plug you into the church? And going back to our marriage analogy, 
you also have to take those things and use them in a sacrificial way as well. So it's not about being the bulldog and coming in and saying, you know what? You didn't let me do it. I'm going to take my ball and go home. And I'm going to find somewhere that will. That's the wrong attitude about it. It's, it's a, an attitude and a, and a countenance that says, you know what? God has given me this skill set. How can I use that to help make the family of Christ followers better? How can I help? I heard this, I heard this analogy because this is exactly on that side of like, I'm going to go somewhere else because in our mindset, the grass is greener somewhere else, right? If you're not going to let me thrive here, I'm going to go somewhere else. The grass is greener. I heard someone say, well, what you're going to bring to the different grass is you're either going to bring dog pee or fertilizer coming from the same, same place, but you're either going to go over there and you're going to bring that same mentality. That's like, well, I'm just going to piss all over this grass. And what you're going to do is create all these little yellow spots and you're bringing that toxic energy somewhere else. Or in kind of the weirder way, it's like, you're going to bring fertilizer. It's like, (laughs) I'm going to make this grass greener. So yes, the grass is greener where you're fertilizing it. And I mean, other people say where you water it. So it's like, if you're not bringing any water, if you're not bringing any fertilizer, if you're not bringing anything beneficial to the new grass, you are going to end up being a part of the thing that ends up browning out, yellowing out, killing that grass. So it's your own toxic thoughts and beliefs and abilities that you need to, you need to root out first. So if you're leaving one church and going to another uh, with a positive mindset of going, Hey, listen, um, you know, John, I'm, what you and I would do, Jonathan is like uh, in our professions as professional marketers, like we know how to communicate and we know how to, you know, bring some of these marketing initiatives. If a church has already got a thriving communications department, they don't need that. I might be able to go like, okay, great. I'm going to go somewhere else that is going to need that. Not in a reason that this church doesn't need it, but I might go there and do something else as a drummer. If they don't have any room on the schedule for me, and I really believe it, that that's the thing that I can bring to a local church. I might go find one. That's like, they're in need. That's how I found the church that, that we're at now is like, I had a buddy that was like, Hey, I know you drum. We've got, we've got some holes in the schedule because our, our regular person is going to be out a lot this summer. Can you, can you come? And I started volunteering first and realizing that that's where I could get plugged in. And so some people go to a church and they attend. It's like, I'm going to attend for a while. See if I like it, then plug in my mentality. My entire church life has been, I'm going to start volunteering somewhere and, and offering up and serving. And if this is the type of place where my service is needed and valued and something I feel like I can plug into, then this is where I'm going to attend. At the end of the day, we have to recognize that there is a tension we're living in between our personal faith in Jesus and the collective whole of Christianity. Our faith is personal, but it was never meant to be individualistic. If I want to say that a different way for you, Christianity was never meant to be done on your own. You need others around you. Others need you around them. And that's the only way this thing is going to work. It doesn't work any other way. I'm going to say this too, um, for church leaders is collective church doesn't mean cannibalistic church. So it's not individualistic, but it's not cannibalistic. So that also means as a church leader, as someone who has been given that responsibility to lead a congregation or to lead in a congregation in any way on any level, you are also not supposed to chew people up and spit them out and take them for what, what they can provide for you. And then when they're quote, no longer useful, now you're going to kick them out. 
This is a collective where we need each other. We depend on each other. And I love that analogy of the marriage because marriage is not supposed to be individualistic. Marriage is also not supposed to be cannibalistic because if my choices are continuously selfish and trying to get what I want out of my wife, as opposed to mutually building her up and building into her, or if we're bringing it to the parenting table and it's like, I'm going to do the bare minimum that I can, uh, you know, parenting wise, like that's never going to work and be successful. And it's only going to create hurt and strain um, and resentment. The same is true for the church. So whether you are a church attendee, volunteer, or a church leader, those two are true. You have to live in that tension between it's not individualistic. It's also not cannibalistic. Yeah. As you were talking earlier, I was like, we could do an entire episode on this idea towards church leaders. So thanks for mm-hmm. mentioning that because I think it's an important thing. I know, I know we have some church leaders who listen to the show. So uh, if any of you want to have this conversation on that front, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, Eric is at Eric W seven one two on all the major platforms. I'm at Jonathan underscore Corona on them as well. If you, the listener just want to talk about anything, have any questions or feedback from this season, uh, we would love to hear it. You can reach out those places. You can reach out. Hello at tensionpodcast.com. But unfortunately that's it for season seven. As We're we done with the f- <laughs> So hopefully you have enjoyed this new format this season. Uh, we're going to be back sometime around September for season eight. We're in the planning stages of that right now. We're going to be recording that in the next couple of weeks if you're listening to this as it comes out. So uh, feel free to reach out with any thoughts, comments, ideas you have, any tensions you want us to explore. If you like the show, do us a favor and rate us and review us wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app so that you will get uh, the first episode in September when it comes out or Maybe there will be another bonus episode this summer sometime. You'll get that in your feed as a surprise when that comes up if you subscribe. Share this episode with a friend if you found it interesting. As always, though, thank you for making us a part of your day. We hope you have a great summer. See you.